yo, yo, it's your girl and boy CT. I'm Cindy Barnes. And I'm Travis Barnes. And we are the founders of the Overcomers Podcast. The Overcomers Podcast is designed to help you overcome adversity and live your dreams. Every week, we will be sharing stories of people who found their strength in their struggle. The Overcomers Podcast is sponsored by Journey 333. And that's a lot of threes, so let me tell you what it is. It's fitness, coaching, and nutrition. It is a place where we help you to look better, live better, and feel better, and it is mind, body, spirit. Today, we're going to help you get your mind right with our special guest. Hello, Overcomer Nation. Boy, this is a perfect topic to talk about as we head into the new year. So many New Year's resolutions being made and people back at the gym. Well, today, I have with me the retention guru. So for you guys that are out there that are fitnesspreneurs, I know that will be important to you and your clubs, but even for the fitness enthusiasts. Why is it that we make these commitments and then we fall off? What should our club be doing for us to help us stay on track? Paul Bedford, retention guru, welcome to the show. Thank you, Travis. Nice to be here. Uh, nice, that, nice of you to have studied this topic and have such amazing information to share with so many. Um, you know, I guess I'd like to start with uh, your top 10. There's, there's 10 mm -hmm. factors that clubs should be considering. And uh, if they're doing these things well, they can help our customers with a thing yeah. called exercise adherence, right? They can, <laughs> right? They can help yeah. them stick with it longer. So, uh, yeah. you know, can we maybe go down through those and maybe- Yeah, we can do that. Um, yeah. Okay, so we created the retention factors top 10 um, based on the research we do. So we're quite a analytical based company and then we use psychology to give operators and businesses um, strategies that they can take but we've analyzed 5.5 million customers from four and a half thousand clubs um, in 31 different countries and so when we created the top 10 the top 10 is a combination of the factors that have the biggest impact and the things that operators generally can control. So if it's in the control of the customer, the member, we don't tend to include it because it's that's not something that the operate, you know, the, the club or the owner can't control that. So it's the things that are within their control. The first one on that on that list is visits. Um, and we if you think of it, if people don't don't visit, there isn't much. It doesn't matter if you've got a good club, good staff, well-educated staff. It doesn't matter if you've got the best location. If they're not coming, it's not gonna, they're not gonna stick to your business. There's not, there's you've not got no chance of excise adherence if they're not even turning up in the first place, let alone sticking to the program that you wrote. And we've shown that from a retention perspective, so from a business perspective, as long as people show up once a week, they tend to stay. However, I know from being a, having been a trainer that once a week isn't sufficient for them to change physiologically. So there's a, there's a balance to be struck. We need them to come at least once a week. But if they start turning up five days a week, most facilities wouldn't cope with the influx of members. But most, most of the time, we just encourage people to say, try and get people to visit four to 12 times a month. Mm -hmm. So rather than give them an absolute figure like train three times a week, we give them a range and we say train four times, four to 12 times a month. Then if they do four, they've ticked a box. If they do more, they've ticked a box. If they start to do more than 12, one we've seen, particularly in new exercises at this, you know, in the January periods, 
January, February period. If they're doing more than 12 visits per month, then they actually burn out really quickly. Mm-hmm. So they're probably overdoing it. So we have to sort of get them on board, get them using it, get them getting this sense of value from their, their um, revenue, uh, from their uh, membership dues, but not so much that they get to the end of the first few months and go, do you know what? I can't keep this up. Mm-hmm. So it's an incremental growth in visit frequency. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've seen that to have a massive impact. In fact, some of the data we looked at last year was showing that the difference between someone coming once a week and coming twice a week was an additional six months of membership. Let me ask you this. I think yeah. I've seen this in a recent video. We as coaches need to help with that uh, attendance issue. Yeah. And one of the simplest ways I believe that you suggest is just just uh, becoming cognizant of someone's routine, you know, just yeah. asking them, you know, uh, is that what you suggest is your number one way to help somebody with visits is, is asking them what days and what times will you be coming? Yeah. Right? Yeah, simple, I mean, it, right? It's very simple, but it came about from doing a lot of, you know, I study psychology. And so I understand I'm a PhD in psychology. So I understand how you help people change behaviors. And I was I was with a client and I was observing one of their staff doing an induction program for a new member. And they came out with the standard and how often were you thinking of training? And you could hear the voice tone of the customer saying three times a week as if they were trying to get the answer right, Uh as opposed to I'm coming three times a week. And then, it's a, and it was almost like a, I describe it as a quiz show. It's like, how often were you thinking of coming? Uh, three times a week. That's correct. <laughs> I get it right. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Um, right. And then, and how long were you thinking of training for? And it's like, about an hour. It's like, <laughs> ding. And I thought, right. that person doesn't know whether they can do three times a week, doesn't know whether they can do an hour. They're just trying to see that, not make themselves look stupid. Mm-hmm. by saying the right thing and so after that we sort of reviewed things and we tried and i started saying to people ask them what days they're coming and what you get when you ask that question someone who's new to exercise not an experienced exercise but new to exercise they go um and they go internal check their schedule and they go well i think i could probably come on tuesday afternoon and thursday evening but that's much more realistic than them just giving you an instant answer. Right. Then when you say at what time, they go, oh, well, Tuesday, it will have to be the afternoon because they start looking at their week and thinking about when exercise can fit into their existing week. Now, experienced exercisers and those who have an exercise lifestyle, they do it the opposite way around. Exercise and their training is in their week. And then you say, do you want to come out for a drink on Friday? They go, uh, yeah, I can come, but I'll come after I finish doing my hit session. <laughs> okay, good. You know, because they've already committed to their schedule. So they're going to avoid yeah. some of the things they need to avoid in order to stick with their commitment. Yes. Yeah. Very good. You know, And I like that because as a coach, I'm trained to let the goal come from the customer. Like I just yeah. don't tell them, hey, you're going to lose two pounds next week. I say, yeah. Well, you know, what would you like to commit to? What would you like to yeah. set for a goal? How do you think you're going to do that? Yeah. Um, and so letting them think through it. 
Now you mentioned induction, and I know that that is one of your uh, mm -hmm. ten factors as well. Mm -hmm. When you say induction, and, and I want to, I don't want to share this with all the listeners because if you don't feel orientated well into your club, um, definitely ask questions. You know, so then that way you're you're getting orientated. Yeah. If you're a fitnesspreneur listening, um, listen to how important this is as Paul talks about it, right? Again, look, as a one-off event, think of it like this. If you do an induction or whatever you decide to call it, I don't care what you call it, but induction, which is taking someone, again, pre predominantly who is new to exercise or who struggled to maintain exercise through a brief consultation and then equipment orientation how to use the bike, how to set it up, how to use the chest press machine. Take someone, because you're giving them skills. And the example I often use when I'm, I'm coaching coaches is driver education. No one gives you a car, gives you car keys and expects you to be able to drive. You have to have some level of education and you have a lesson and they show you, this is how you put it into drive. This is how you put it into park. This is how you do a three point turn. And you're taught those things. Once you can drive, you can almost pick up the keys to any car and go drive it. That's the savvy exerciser. When I did my PhD studies, we looked at gym induction, different types of gym induction and a very well-crafted gym induction lasts about 60 minutes, probably no longer, that gives the customer an opportunity to practice the things they're going to do in the first six to eight weeks. It's likely to give you seven to eight months extra on their membership. Wow. And, you know, I want to uh, say for all the listeners that are out there, you know, maybe you're members of one of our franchise locations. Um, why is this important to you and why is it important to me if you stay six or seven months? Well, mm -hmm. maybe you know someone like this who made a big goal and they said, you know, I want to lose 50 pounds or maybe even more than that. Or maybe I just want to make this a permanent lifestyle change. And that was the commitment in that induction. That was the commitment in the orientation. But then yeah. a month later, two months later, things are starting to get in the way. Oh, I'm busy with the kids or, you know, all oh, my finances or whatever. But really what got in the way was the level of commitment. Somehow it started to shrink. And so what we're really investigating today is how you can get more from your club and how your club can give you more yeah. to keep you on track long enough to hit that goal and then maintain it because maintenance is harder than the loss. Nobody go, comes up to you and says, hey, you're looking good. You're maintaining, right? You know, they, they come up to you and say, hey, you're looking good. You're losing weight. Um, now, uh, you you talk about one of the top 10 things being interactions. Yeah. What, what do you mean by uh, interactions? when you're Traditionally, so interactions comes at number two. So mm -hmm. it's the most important thing you can do to impact member behavior. Um, interactions traditionally was human to human, human conversations, or at least human to human acknowledgement. So when I go in and train, do I want to have a full on conversation every time I go in? No. Do I want someone to nod, smile at me, welcome me or say goodbye at some point during the, my visit? Yes, I do. So depending upon the day will determine, you know, how I feel. I'll either want to talk to you or I'll just want you to recognize I turned up. Over the past, I suppose, last 10 years, with 
the improvements in technology and the way in which we personally use technology now, we can also include digital interactions. So the prompts on our phone, the SMS text, you know, the SMS messages, those things can also be um, interaction. But my position on this is, while the technology can do volumes of it, the quality of it is usually done by the human. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, for sure. Because we're, no we're... one, no one can, no piece of technology, as far as I'm aware, although I'm sure someone will build it, can look you in the eye, smile, and know you've put a lot of effort in today, just from the way you look. Mm -hmm. Right. And just that knowing look of like, yeah, you did it today. You know, it's so much more powerful. Someone, you know, I trained, someone's recognized I've trained hard. They can see it in me. It's ticked. And I use this example. My, my daughter does multiple different sports, um, usually more on the fringes. So she's a boxer, a kickboxer, a skateboarder. So she's wow. on the fringe type activities. When we go to the skate park, when she was really young, we always go to skate park. I'd sit in the skate park and she'd be skating with the older skaters. These Some of these skaters were men. They weren't even kids. They were men. And you watch them practice all afternoon to learn one trick or get this trick right. And I watched this lad, I suppose 18, 19 years of age, practice his trick for three or four hours. I should try and get it. And he didn't get it. He didn't get it. He didn't get it. The one time he got it, everybody else had been distracted by something else that was going on. And he looked around because when someone in skateboarding gets a trick, they all bang their boards in recognition. It's like, yeah, we saw that. Great, great. They don't clap or cheer. It's very subtle. Um, and he looked around and no one was watching. And I'm, I'm the father sitting on the side, so I have no credibility in that environment. And I just looked at it, I said to him, I saw it. And the look on his face that someone else had recognized it had happened. And I think that's the same thing. I think we can do that as, you know, as fitness professionals. We, that's one of the things we should be adding to the customer experience, to the member experience. It's that I'm here to validate what you've done and recognize when you've put effort in. You know, uh, Paul, as a group training franchise, we don't have people that just come in and, you know, work out on their own. You know, it's specifically session based. And I was thinking to myself in the new year, I said, how can we help people stay on track more? So one thing that I've done is at every franchise, two new workouts come out each week. Mm -hmm. And what I'm actually leading is a regular call each week to say, hey, here's our opportunities for engagement. Here's our opportunities to put fun into this session. You know, here's our opportunity to use certain tools, props, whatever. Um, when you're talking about interactions, I don't know if there's a priority for you as far as like what those interactions are. To me, my mind after that skateboard uh, analogy goes immediately to the session. All right. Like, yeah. are you observing or are you coaching? Are yeah. you trying to have a, a contact with every person where you use their name and and, you know, let them know that they're doing something correctly or or even challenge them to do it a little bit better, you know? Yeah. Um, is that maybe like the, you know, number one priority? And after that, there's other interactions or? Oh, definitely. I mean, look, and I, for years when I was a, you know, I used to teach group X, but more boot camp style group X rather than to music. Um, and I would really make sure that 
you know, I'd make eye contact with someone across the across the the group, and I'm looking at them and talking to them about their technique, but without using their name when I want to improve their technique. So I don't call them out. Oh, you you know, James over there, those squats you're doing, you really need to align your knee. I don't call them. When I'm doing correction, I'm making eye contact and I'm giving my coaching, which then everybody hears. When I see someone performing either, you know, doing a technique well, uh, maybe they're putting more effort in than usual, I'm going to call them out by name. Yeah. yeah. Because then they get, well, it, it, in psychology, it's called random reward. And it's the same way as gambling works. It's actually the same way as infinite scrolling works on Facebook. Every now and again, there's something that goes bing and you go, oh, so uh -huh. random reward feedback where you call someone out by name for doing things great. But I make eye contact and give improvement coaching yeah. without using their name because it's less it's not humiliating. It sounds like uh, proper leadership, too, right, where we uh, correct in private and praise in public. Right. You know, yeah. like that kind of expression. Yeah. Lovely yeah. Expression. Um, you know, you, you, I think your next factor is programming. Yes. Programming. Yeah. So, so. so yeah, the first three are easy to remember because it's VIP. Okay. All right. VIP. These are the very important factors. <laughs> um, programming is about making sure the content of what you're delivering matches the capability of the people attending. Mm -hmm. So if I've got someone who's new to exercise, I'm not going to give them a kettlebell exercise like a Turkish get-up mm -hmm. because that's way beyond their skill level. And if anything, they're going to make more mistakes than they're going to get right. So if I'm teaching a mixed group, I have to have mixed activities. You know, those, those um, variations in exercise, which are progressions and regressions, mm -hmm. but it's okay to do everything. Um, so often I see when I'm observing, when I'm in clubs and observing, it's like the coach, the instructor, whatever you want to call them, has chosen what they want to teach tonight. It's like, follow along. Mm -hmm. And you're going to do the workout I want to do. As a, and that's fine because there's, a, there's benefits of that, but there are no regressions or progressions. Mm -hmm. And those are really important because if the programming is off, relevant to the person or the people in your group then they're not going to stick around yeah very good you know at journey we like to call them options so yeah, there's right. always at least two options you know because yeah. we don't like to because we tell people hey your journey you know name of our yeah. franchise but your journey is your own and when we give you another option that is going to be perfect for you yeah. to do that is going to give you just as effective of a result yeah. as the other person doing something else that's effective for them. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, I'm excited this year, we're actually partnering with a company called uh, Gym Leet, um, okay. because We have whiteboards around our room that kind of remind people, hey, this is the exercise. But even when they read it, they might not remember what it is. Yeah. But Gym Leet's going to give them that visual cue wow. on a TV to remind them of what that is. So, um do you think that that's a factor too with programming is just people yes. feeling confident that they remember what to do at each station and they know what it looks like? And not just Travis, not just that. There's two things there. One vicarious learning is really important. That's learning by watching others. It's actually how as 
children, we learn most things. Mm-hmm. You know, we try it, we watch. You know, when my kids learned to walk, they didn't learn to walk because, well, they learned to walk because they saw other people walking and they wanted to be able to do it. <laughs> so right. having images of how to do exercises for people in front of them, I think is, 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 is a, is, has so many benefits. The other thing that I think where it benefits is it reduces what's called the cognitive load. The cognitive load is how much thinking do I actually have to put into this workout? And actually, if I don't have to think very much, I can put more effort into the workout. If I have to spend all my time thinking, okay, so what's a mountain climber? How do I do a mountain climber? Whereas it's like, it comes up, mountain climber. There's someone, that exercise. And in fact, I think... For often for participants, they don't care what the exercises are called. They're just like, I give in to you today. I turn up to your session. And Travis, I hope you're going to take, give me a great workout. I don't care what the exercises are called. I don't know. And I'm not really that bothered whether they're in the right order that I should be doing them. I just want a good workout. And I trust in you that you'll do that. Yeah. And when we remove the cognitive load we increase the likelihood of people adhering to the exercise program. Wow, you just gave me a great affirmation there because so many times people come to Journey and they say, you know what I love about this? I don't have to figure out what to do. You guys just tell me I walk through the door, I have a good session. But we're starting to take away that factor if they get to a station and don't remember and, you know, feel stressed and, you know, don't have that visceral, um, or no, you said vicarious learning, vicarious learning, you know. Um, really good. Now, what I like about being a group training franchise is that your number four is group exercise. Yes, so. it is. And <laughs> but I, I got to imagine it's got to be done well, right? You know, because there's group yeah. exercise that's not so. Uh, yeah. And, and look, I had a conversation with a tech company a little while ago that said, oh, you've got visits as number one. And we've seen that when we drive visits in this business, more people quit. And I went, well, what's the experience when they actually get there? <laughs> I said, because if it's a rubbish experience, of course they're going to quit. I said, so you have to get that. You know, these things don't happen in isolation. Now, traditionally, we didn't have group exercise was much lower down on our list. Mm-hmm. And the only reason it was lower down was that for a long time, it was very difficult in club environments to actually identify where people went once they'd entered the building. Mm-hmm. So we knew they were in the club, but we didn't know if they'd gone to play basketball on the gym floor studio what they were doing but some of the factors that massively impact group exercise are set day set time so when people find a time when they can come to the class they protect it so if they you know my classic example and i use it all the time is i interviewed a woman one time and she said thursday night is zumba night because on Thursday night, I do Zumba. My husband has to get home from work early to look after the kids. And if he's not getting home early because of work, he will have to arrange childcare because Thursday night is Zumba night. And it's the well, one of the fact, like I said, the, one of the factors that makes group exercise such a good retention tool is the set day and time. In addition to the, you reduce the cognitive load. People don't have to think about what to do. Um, and it's social. Now, mm-hmm. not everybody wants to work out in social environments. You see people out running. Often they want to run on their own because they want to be on their own. 
Right, right, said, right. Yeah. And you said, join a running group. And they're like, no, this <laughs> is my time. But those people who, who choose to do group exercise, you know, it's for a, a number of those factors. Then you've got to have the right content in, which is the programming. You've got also, yeah, on my list is social, which mm -hmm. is social and community. And you've got to have a feeling of I'm part of something that's more than me. Um, but then you've also got to have a good teacher, someone yeah. who is actually leading it. And we cut it at the moment. It's difficult for us to measure the quality of an instructor. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the person, the individual person's not on that list because it's so difficult to measure. Yeah. You know, my wife, who's also my business partner, um, she measures it this way. She says, the better your show, the more your sessions will grow, <laughs> you know? So like, you know, like, uh, I think that's, uh, you know, how's your attendance for your various sessions that you lead and mm -hmm. do you feel like people want to bring their friends back for your show, um, yeah. you know, because it's entertaining and, uh, you know, they make them feel comfortable. Um, and I like the way that four and five go together, because would you say that a, a good group or exercise session not only makes it adaptable for everyone, but somehow connects the group to one another. Yes. Uh, you know, like as you were saying, it made me think, you know, I have one group that calls themselves the eight o'clock animals. And I got another group that calls yeah. themselves the 4 a.m. fanatics, you know, yeah. um, and they know each other. Um, yeah. those and two I, and hand in hand. No, and I think that's really important. And, and whatever people say about Peloton as an organization, one of the things they were able to do was create communities within the brand. Mm -hmm. And you only have to go and look up, you know, Facebook, uh, Peloton Facebook groups, and there's going to be 170 of them. You know, it's going to be every state of the union. It's going to be, you know, dads who Peloton, mums that Peloton, sons that, pe you know, and there's like, you know, emergency services that Peloton and, and they're groups within groups. And people like to have that sense of identity. One of the ways you can build that identity is through shared task. We've done this together, which when you watch any of those sort of reality competitions where there's down to the final three. Yeah, everyone wants to be the winner. But actually, at the end of it, the, the, the last three people or all the people who went through it, like Dancing with the Stars, they're a, no one's had that experience with them. It's unique to them. They feel part of something mm -hmm. and creating that uniqueness of we've struggled together or we've worked together to achieve something has a really, really powerful effect on that community and social components. Oh, I like that. You know, something that's always been part of journey is that we like to have an outside event, you know, once a month or, or mm -hmm. close to that. We're like, hey, the Susan Coleman 5K is coming up and we don't care yeah. if you walk it or run it, but let's go get through this together. And, yeah. and every coach knows that their job isn't to see how fast they can do it. Their job is to cross that line with as yeah. many members as possible, taking photos. So, yeah. so things like that, you know, uh, I love that social aspect. It's who we yeah. are. It's in our DNA. Um, really good. Um, and then uh, I'm trying to remember the next one is... Uh, so am I. It's um, going to be uh, goals. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's what everybody comes in there, comes in with, right? Okay, so number six on the list after yeah. just creating, you know, in social connection, I, I love it when members in the gym start to ask each other, hey, when are you coming next, you know? Yes. Well, I see you here next time because they're kind of assistant coaches at that point. They're helping us 
keep people accountable. Uh, so, Travis, something I used to watch when I was running clubs and I was on the gym floor more often was that during the January period, you'd have members that have been using the club all the previous year who never spoke to one another. So they saw each other around. They knew, oh, you know, I see him, I see her. In January, they'd be saying to people, how was your Christmas? How was your holidays? Mm-hmm. And they'd be talking to one another. And they, and when I looked at it, I think, I know why they're doing this. They're showing all those new people. I was here before Christmas. Uh-huh. I know people. <laughs> this, I'm not here, new year, new me. I've, I'm part of this. Um okay. And so people get, you know, people do want that level of status that I've been around a while, which is why we reward visits and why we reward five-year members, 10-year members, 20-year members. We give them that recognition because it gives them a level of status like, you know, that's me. I've been doing this. I think there's also value. And I I teach this to my clients um, who run business, who run clubs. Um, Take pictures of your five-year members and your 10-year members and post them. Because what that says to new people is it's normal to be here for five to 10 years. Mm-hmm. That's the expectation. Whereas they join and they're like, they're not sure how long people are going to stick around. But if they keep seeing five-year member, 10-year member, it's like, that's normal. Yeah. You know, a big thing for me, and I think you'll appreciate this is, uh, you know, having a PhD in psychology is identity. I want to help people change their identity because I think that the problem with yo-yo dieting or or losing weight only to gain that weight back is that you didn't change your identity. You still felt comfortable being 30 pounds overweight. And so you went back to being 30 pounds overweight. But I'd love for you to change your identity and realize that success is in your routine and that you now identify as somebody who exercises and and doesn't have a pair of fat pants at the end of their closet or whatever, you know, like... Um, so that's a, that's a big thing for me in this year is to really try to help people to have a new identity. Cause if you really are going to be a new year, new you, yeah. then you have to leave behind who you were and step into someone new. Yeah. And what does that mean? I was, I'm interested though, how goals wound up number six, because, you know, you think that's a pretty big thing, you know, uh, to have, yeah. a goal it's going to be really obvious when I say it, clubs don't track it. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So okay. You know, if you think it's easier, it's getting easier where clubs are now using apps and things like that. But traditionally, if you walked into a club and you said, how many people did you on board? They say, do you know what their goals are? Well, yeah, it's in a filing cabinet over there. It's written down or no one would track them. Mm -hmm. So it's not that they're not important. It's just we don't have enough data to push it further up. It was the same with Group X. When we didn't know where they went in the club, Group X was at number eight. Okay. And all the Group X people used to go, how can it be a number eight? That Because I don't have the data. I don't have the data to support it on large enough scale. For me, with goal setting, I think you have to be mindful. Again, it goes back to the visit frequency type of questions. It, sometimes we ask people what their goals are, and they come up with something very general. Mm-hmm. Because they don't, there's two, and there's two factors to that. One, they don't really know what their goals are, mm-hmm. you know, I'm overweight, I want to lose 30 pounds, you know, fine. But they don't understand what they, so they, the, the, the second part, I suppose, would be they're not comfortable yet saying why 30 pounds loss is important to them. Mm-hmm. 
right. if that makes sense. It's like, yeah. I don't want to admit I'm unhappy. I don't want to un- admit I feel unattractive. I don't want to admit that I'm incapable of doing the things I used to be able to do. But a quite safe way of saying that is I'm 30, I want to lose 30 pounds. Mm-hmm. You know, so we get sometimes with the first set of questions we ask on goal setting, we do tend to get a very generalized goal, lose weight, tone up, get fit. Mm-hmm. Right. But I'd, I do think at some level, most people who are new to exercise or coming back to exercise are unhappy with something, but they're not prepared to share that thing with us just yet. Yeah. You know, my coaching tells me that I should ask a person why several times their goal is important. If we have a, if we have a dialogue where I'm not, um, you know, attacking them, you know, if I can really just dive deep and get them emotionally connected to their goals. Mm. They're going to go a lot further. And I will say this, from what we've tracked at our clubs, people are much more likely to continue if they've been measured in the last six weeks and they've set a new goal because now they're setting Mm. a goal for the future and they're, uh, they have a vision for their fitness plan. Let me ask you this though. Sometimes people come in and, and we all do this, right? We get a little comfortable and we're not doing all the things that we should, but maybe we're showing up for exercise. Yeah. I feel it's really important for them, uh, those that joined a, a club where they could have a coach, someone to help them with their nutrition yeah. and keep them accountable to their workouts, to get them back there to the scale and get them back there and get measured when they haven't been there in a while. Yeah. And uh, how would you, being the retention guru that you are, how would you encourage that person that hasn't been coming to the scale or to get measured for a while you know how would you encourage them to to get back on that path i would i think that there's a number of ways i would do that the first one would be um i'd ask them how their numbers are going Mm, yeah let them think about it for a minute Mm. so like you you know you you might know that they that's what they came for they wanted some weight loss or they want you know let's say let's say it's weight loss they came in and originally they said my goal is to lose 30 pounds this year you might be going to him. When you joined, you, you said it was 30 pounds. How's that going? Uh-huh. Because it doesn't make judgment. You're just asking them a, a, a question, you know, mm-hmm. not where are you in relationship to getting your goal? Oh, well, actually, I've put some weight on. You know, I haven't lost any. I've put some weight. But just asking how's that going allows them to talk about it. And what I would say is, respond off of what they're saying. If they're saying it's all going fine and it isn't, and you know it isn't, at least the first time, just let it go. Mm-hmm. And go, well, okay, if that's fine. But one of the things we encourage is checking in, make do, redoing the measuring. Mm-hmm. So you're leading them to it rather than going, oh, you, fatty. <laughs> you know. And I've seen people do that Enough. and they're like, Name and shame, you know, make people feel uncomfortable. I call it a dark side nudge. Yeah. So I laugh because I'd never do that, but I've heard some horror stories about clubs that say some horrific things or even call a member out because they can't do a certain exercise. And yeah, uh, that's embarrassing to me about our industry that some of that stuff happens. Um, Yeah. But I I think the other one would be, um, I would just be asking, when do you want to do your measurements again? Mm -hmm. Okay, there you go. So you're not asking them to do it there and then. But you're saying, when are you look? When are you looking to do your measurements again? Okay. So it's it's you're you're saying it's going to happen. 
But you'll tell me when it's going to happen. But I'm not let. We're not getting away from this. And I think the other thing, perhaps on a day to day basis, when you're coaching, is just saying to people when they turn up, "What's your goal for today?" Mm-hmm. Because we think of these goals as being distances away, mm. but actually, you could have a goal for today. Yeah. And as a coach, you could say, "Our goal for today's class is." And if you look at all the early research on goal setting and group activity, it was originally done by two guys called Cameron and Spink. And it was on running on your own or running in a group. And running in a group had so much better exercise adherence than running on your own. That research was then taken and used as the principle for therefore group exercise is better than exercising on your own so you should come and do a group exercise class mm-hmm. one of the which assumes that running and group exercise is attractive to the same types of people mm-hmm. the second thing was the group though had a group goal and it was to run 5k so Having a group goal, which is either a group goal for today's session or a group goal for a period of time, can really, really drive adherence. And the group goals that we set is a minimum number of visits in a set period. Okay. All right. So it's, you know, um, my friend Jeff uh, Bissonnette, he's got a health club, but he has what he calls the 144 club. And the 144 club, uh, is for all of those people and they get a t-shirt and they get their names listed on the wall in January. It's for everybody who came three times a week, four times a month for the last 12 months. So as long as you visited 12 times in a month, you got into a group. Mm-hmm. If you did it 12 times, you're in the 144 club. Okay. And you get a t-shirt. So you can only earn the t-shirt but you get recognition and those types of things can be really, really powerful in terms of exercise adherence and long-term retention. Really good. Really good. You know, I, at at journey, we have a uh, 333 club, right? That, uh, you know, because it's journey 333, but uh, no, that's good. Um, When it comes to contracts, I do have a question for you. I I know that's next on the list. And um, you know, for me, uh, you know, we do have a, we do have a discount, of course, for committing to longer. You know, we got the six yeah. week start. We got this 12 month agreement. And then mm-hmm. uh, we are a uh, we have a lot of integrity in our membership in the way that um, if somebody's not coming and they need to mm-hmm. cancel, you know, there is a cancellation fee, but it's a one month and you get this one month gift certificate where you can come back. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, I've been thinking that when somebody since part of their induction, their onboarding is to set a goal. And since we actually give them a printout of if you follow this and follow that, you know, three workouts a week. And if you do yeah. this macros that you're going to get to your goal in this time, it makes me want to have like an agreement with that person that will at least stick with it for this minimal amount of time. Right. Because yeah. like, you know, you already knew the plan and the plan was this and you were excited about the plan. So, um, you know, how do I help you uh, have that kind of commitment? What would you say to the fitnesspreneurs and even the fitness enthusiasts out there about why contracts are important to them. Well, what we see is, um, firstly, is that the people who are regular exercisers will often are more than happy to take out a contract because they get a discount on their membership fees mm-hmm. and they know they're going to use the product. So why wouldn't they want to go for the discounted version rather than 
the full price version. Mm-hmm. The other thing that we've seen, and this is, I suppose, more from a business perspective, people who sign up to a contract stay longer, even if you don't enforce the contract, mm-hmm. than if you just go month by month by month by month. So sure. rolling month and I can come to you and I can pay this month. And, you know, I set up some electronic transfer that pays you every month, but there's no contract. So if I get to the end of it, I just go, oh, I've been doing it three months. I've had enough cancel and that's it. People who sign up for 12 months will actually still keep exercising for longer than if they're on these rolling non-binding contracts and i separate contracts and agreements an agreement is something you're not going to enforce contract legally you are going to enforce so mm-hmm. we have a, a thing here i think it's here in just here in the uk well not just here in the uk but i could argue that if i gave you the price let's say it's 30 dollars a month as you but you agreed to pay for 12 months as a contract i've given you a price that's only available if you sign up for 12 months Mm-hmm. whereas if you don't want to sign up for 12 months it's 40 dollars a month if you break the contract legally i can say actually you wouldn't have got 30 dollars a month if you hadn't agreed to the 12 months mm-hmm. between the two of those you've got the agreement you sign up to 12 months but if i come to you after seven months and go do you know what i want out you go okay fine let's go just go mm-hmm. you know we look forward to seeing you back so it's just with some of the the more financially driven first operators of phenomenally, you know, it was traditionally, it was big box clubs, but you know, it was like, we want the revenue based on what we offered you. So they contracted people. Um, the challenge with not having contracts is that, oh, the challenge with not having periods, terms of period is that people start making the decision every month, stay or go, stay or go, stay or go. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I have it for 12 months, I start thinking about that payment close to the end. Should I go 11 months? I'm like, I've got to renew next month. Mm-hmm. Um, even recommend a renewal for somebody that's been going for 12 months. That it's yeah. good for them to commit to we, another year. We do programs, some of our clients, we've got, where they someone might sign up for month by month and then comes on a regular basis go back to the client and go, do you know what? You'd be better off on a contract or better off on an agreement. Mm-hmm. Why don't we sign you up to this? Mm-hmm. Um, because you're already coming and you'll save a bit of money, but in their heads, they've committed to that extra period of time. Yeah. So there's some, yeah. there's a psychological component to com- committing to a period of time and then completing that. Absolutely. My wife and I are doing that right now because we're susceptible too. we've gained a few pounds. So we're committing to a period of time where we won't have this or won't have that. And it's locked in our mind and it's important. Um, I know the next one age and, you know, there's a lot to be said that as we age, you know, we become more in touch with our mortality. We become Mm -hmm. more stable. We're not moving as often or changing careers as often, Mm -hmm. you know, our income gets more established. And and we've talked a little bit about inductions. Well, we've talked a lot about that within 60 minutes. Your last one is discontent. Yes. And, uh, and, you know, I was just wondering what advice you'd give to people out there about um, keeping people content, really, keep yeah. them happy, uh, you know, because like, discontent obviously is a big impact. Yeah, discontent sort of mops up all of those things like member complaints, the showers are cold, you know, in traditional clubs, showers are cold or the, the coach didn't turn up on time. And there's 
There are a lot of them, but when you grow, group them together, they're big enough to get into that top 10 list. Mm-hmm. I think the things to be mindful of is don't overpromise and underdeliver. Mm-hmm. You know, people are expecting at least what you said you were going to give. And then if you can do a bit more than that, great. But even nowadays, if you say you'll get this and you get it, actually, we quite like, actually, I can trust them because mm-hmm. they said it and they delivered it. Um, I think the other thing is to be on top of it almost every session. Like if you finish teaching the session, the the two things, and it goes back to interaction, but the two questions I'd be asking was, um, how did you find the workout today? Mm-hmm. If people said, oh, it was too hard or there weren't enough options or the, it's feedback. Yeah. If they go away and dwell on it, it's a complaint. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if you capture it at the time when they were there, you can go, oh, well, thank you for that. I'll make sure next time I have more options or we use a different type of music or we change the order of the exercises, you know, how that fits in. Um, the other, and then the following that is uh, when are you in next? Because you're prompting the next visit. Those are the two questions we put together. But you're wanting to tackle discontent as close to the point of discontent as possible. So surveys that go out um, and like, you know, every six months, net promoter score surveys, we survey our members every six months. Well, actually, that's a long gap between being unhappy and being able to talk about it. Right. And people dwell on those things. Whereas if I can capture it, if you say to me today, Paul, um, look, I've enjoyed doing this this podcast with you today. I've got to ask you about, you know, is there something you can do about your audio? Or is there something I'm like, I'm really sorry. I'm going to be all over that today for whatever I do next. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you message me in six months' time and go, we've just listened back to the podcast. The audio wasn't all that good. I'm like, well, what do you expect me to do now? Yeah, right, right, right. Of course, yes, yes. Very good. Overpromise um, and deal with things. You know, the way I describe it is you can either have your pain now or your pain later, but you're going to have pain yeah. with discontent. Deal with it now, get it done. And I think that goes back to your face-to-face encouragement. Like, the, you know, the, the face-to-face interactions, those are the best ones. And yeah. if you can simply take time to ask at the end of a session how you enjoyed it um, yeah. and, and when you're coming again, uh, yeah. those are two very important pieces of feedback. Yeah. You know, this discontent reminds me of a great teaching that you had. It was a, a teaching that I thought was unique to you. I, I've never seen it before, but you described the amount of moments that we have in a day mm-hmm. and that uh, when we get emotion tied to those moments, that that's a relationship that a person has with a, a yeah. business or a customer. Um, and, and I think that that's the, that's the challenge of the discontent, making sure they're yeah. not negative emotions tied yeah. to making sure that they're positive emotions. Uh, and, right? and, and, and on that, there's a term that I use called the hump of discomfort, mm-hmm. right? Okay. And that's for, again, predominantly for new exercises. But if you're an ex, if you're a, a regular exerciser, you actually enjoy the discomfort of exercise, that mm-hmm. pain. If you're new, it's just pain. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, you don't, and you're like, oh my God, I, you know, my daughter's gone back training this week after the holiday period. She's got DOMS because she was doing a, a training session. She's 13 years old. She was doing 200 mountain climbers as part of her boxing training. 
two days later, she's saying to me, my shoulders ache, my lats hurt. My de- and, and she's got DOMS. And I'm like, she'll get through that because she likes training. But someone who's new to exercise is going to be, I'm in pain. You've hurt me. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure this is for me. So that doubt gets in their head really early on. Yeah. And there, that's a great piece of advice for coaches as you get new people starting in your gym. Try to keep that intensity low, something to where, you know, you can remind them Rome wasn't built in a day. And, you know, we're going to, you know, our goal is for you to get here three times this week, not for you to, you know, do it all overdo it in one time and not be able to come again. Really good. You know, Paul, the things that you shared today, I just think that they're so important. And I don't know what angle our Overcomer Nation was listening to it from, either as a gym owner or a coach or a fitness enthusiast, somebody trying to stay on track. But there's great lessons there. Uh, Any, all the way, thank you for joining us all the way from uh, South London, uh, London, hey. England. You know, I might be able to connect with Paul in person this year, I hope. Uh, but uh, hope so. yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, any final words of encouragement for the? Uh... I, th- I think for anybody, it's don't, the, the things that I would say to people are, don't set your goals too high. And I know that sounds a bit, oh, but sometimes people set such rigorous goals for themselves. They have no chance of achieving them. Mm-hmm. I'm on a program at the moment myself where I had a knee replacement on November the 17th, 2022. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, nearly a year ago. Once I'd rehabbed, I decided I would walk for 30 minutes or more, do cardio for 30 minutes or more every day. I am currently at day 321 mm-hmm. of continuous cardio. All I'm, But I didn't set myself out to go, I'm going to do a hit session. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. All I said was, I'm going to do 30 minutes of cardio every day. Now, most of the time, at the moment, that's just walking the dogs right. okay. or riding my mountain bike. But I'm not trying to set. I've seen some people posting, you know, their new year. You know, I'm going to do 12,000 press ups this year. And I'm going to do it's like the problem is sometimes people set goals that are so high. There's never any way of them completing it. They're just too high up. So the term I think everybody, I would encourage people to use this year is build up to. Yeah. Build up to the level that you want to get to. You don't have to start there. You build up to it. For the novice exercise, build up to three times a week. Build up to doing the more advanced options. I like that. I like you don't that. have to start there setting a, a very manageable goal, you know, yeah. and I like the way that your cardio is walking the dogs because I read this book by Robin Sharma recently and it encouraged a second wind workout. Now that right. sounds like a good idea, but to be honest with you, when I thought about some of the workouts I might do, I wasn't that interested. In fact, I felt kind of discouraged. Then yeah. I thought of taking my grandson in the jogging stroller and I said, that's something I'd sign up to do. And so, you know, like yeah. making it as enjoyable for yourself as possible makes yeah. your appearance. Yeah. Uh, much better. And, and I heard one piece of advice I heard last year from from a customer was there was a guy who'd, who'd recorded that he'd, he was on like his 1000th day of regular exercise. And they said to him, you know, what made you do a thousand days? And he went, well, I wasn't planning to do a thousand days. I was just going to do 365. But then I couldn't think of a good reason to stop. Uh. Very good. Wow. And I was like, (laughs) we all learned something. That's good. Couldn't think of a good reason to stop. 
Success is in the routine. Start yes. small. Let it be something enjoyable for yourself. Yeah, really good. And Paul, how can people get more of you? Where do they go to find more? Okay, so we, we've we got stuff on YouTube under Retention Guru. There's lots of little clips. Again, to be fair, most of those are for businesses aside, but there's psychology. There's some psychology in there as well. We post on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn every day um, a thing called a lunchtime lesson. Right. Um, and they, they're short little snippets of advice about exercise adherence, retention, customer experience, user experience, all those types of things. We're up to 1,200 of those. So we've wow. been posting five days a week for almost six years. We've done, we've written over, like I've written over, yeah, 1,200. Um, like we call them lunchtime lessons because we post them at 105 every day. Depending on where you live in the world, they might not be at lunchtime. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, thank you so much for doing what you're, you're doing to educate our industry. This is a topic that definitely interests me. I've never not taken it personally. I got involved in fitness in 1996, but mm. when somebody falls off the routine that signed up to be here longer than they were, I say, what could I have done? You know, what could I have done to help them stick with it? And uh, you've given us a lot of important information today. So thank you. Thank you. You are welcome. Well, I hope to see you in London someday soon. <laughs> I hope so too. Take care, Travis. All right. Thanks for being on the show. You're welcome. Thanks for listening, Overcomer Nation. Make sure if you haven't already, give us a five-star rating. Make sure that you share this and subscribe so you can see all of our future content. That's right. And if you'd like to be a guest on a future show, go to overcomers-podcast.com. If you're interested in our franchise opportunities with Journey 333, then go to www.journeyfitness333.com. And finally, if you like what you heard today and you feel like you're somebody that needs a bit more coaching, go to travisbarnes.com. Yeah!